Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, look, I think it's time to take a bit of a dive into Canada's retail scene today. We're going to tackle everything from inflation, which is top of mind for, I think, everybody, you know, consumers, retailers alike. And I want to dig into the uh, the Jollibee phenomenon. If anyone has walked down Granville Street recently, you will see just floods and floods of customers lining up trying to get into that new fast food restaurant. It's a bit of a phenomenon all over the globe. So we'll dive into that today with Craig Patterson. He is the founder of RetailInsider.com. Craig, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Okay. So look, Jollibee's finally had its very long-awaited launch in Vancouver just a couple weeks ago. And look, the, the lines have not dissipated at all. If anything, they've grown. Um, I hope you can maybe tell us a little bit why uh, this is such a big thing, just that this particular fast food uh, service here, right, uh, in the city. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that anyone had a question that Jollibee was going to be successful in the Vancouver market. It was just a matter of time of when it would come into the market. Um, so I don't think the lineups are a big surprise. What is a surprise is how long it took for Jollibee to get to the Vancouver market, if you think about it, because several years ago, I think it was 2016, it opened in Winnipeg, which has a very large Filipino population. For those who don't know, Jollibee is a Filipino fast food restaurant. And uh, finally, after uh, going into markets such as Edmonton and Toronto, um, and I know in Quebec, they're looking at opening. I don't think they have yet, but uh, maybe, Maybe they have. I just I know because I've seen the mandate. But now it's in Vancouver finally and has lineups and there probably should be 50 of them uh, in Vancouver just to meet the current demand. <laughs> well, I, I'm shocked that it kind of took this long, but we we're already seeing like signage up for spots at, uh, say, Broadway and Camby, uh, spots in Surrey. Is it going to be like a really, really fast rollout for the kind of Metro Vancouver uh, designs that Jollibee has here? Probably. Um, I don't think you're going to see a hundred of them open in a year, but uh, you'll probably see eight, perhaps. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing. I don't have insider information specifically on the Vancouver market and what Jollibee has planned. But um, I suspect just given what you said, I was aware as well that there were a few new locations that were opening um, in the region, in the Vancouver area. Uh, yeah, yeah, there'll be several of them opening this year. I think it'll be exciting. And, and something that I'm almost embarrassed to say Despite the fact that we uh, have been near various ones, I've actually not tried Jollibee yet. I uh, I plan on doing it as a special occasion. I just have not done it yet. A, fel- a friend of mine from the Philippines is coming here in a couple of months, and I'm going to go with him. <laughs> what, what are the lineups like in uh, Toronto versus uh, here in Vancouver, though? There's no lineups at all yeah. in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> it's just a regular uh, restaurant like all the others in the city. I think there were some lineups early on when it opened. I'd have to check. I think it was a couple of years ago that the first one opened in Toronto. But yeah, it's it's I, on the weekend I was on Young Street. I walked by and there, there was no lineups to get in. It's just a regular restaurant like anything else on the street. So at some point, I'm sure on Granville Street, that'll happen. But also in Vancouver, people like to line up for stuff. I guess they do here as well in Toronto. But uh, <laughs> at some point, you won't have the lines. If you think about La Durée on uh, Robson Street, for about a month, it had lineups. And uh, I'm sure, well, I know it's not the case anymore unless there was something important happening. Like, I don't want to spoil anyone's time at Jollibee, but uh, I- I've had it uh, before when I was when I was in the Philippines. And uh, it-, it tastes like regular fast food. 
it's fine. There's a couple uh, specialty things on the menus that you wouldn't be able to get in a McDonald's. I, you know, like I think spaghetti, at least down in the Philippines, they had like spaghetti available on the menus. Uh, do you think it, it's really more of the kind of nostalgia factor that's driving it? You know, a lot of kind of the, uh, the Filipino diaspora kind of pushing towards that, or is it just a lot of uh, curious folks that just want to give something new a try? I think it's a mix. I mean, the lineups that you're seeing there clearly shows that there's a brand awareness and a brand affinity. Uh, people aren't going to line up for no reason. Um, well, in theory, <laughs> but um, in that case, I think that it's people that are a fan, whether or not they're from the Philippines or have experienced it in other places, uh, having that excitement and, and lining up to get in. Um, probably for some people, it's going to be curiosity. I forget where it was. There was a a first Jollibee opening, it might have been in Winnipeg, where the guy was, he waited for like two days or something crazy like that uh, and was saying he'd never tried it before. So uh, that I thought was really interesting. <laughs> so clearly there are some, you know, fans or, or, or wannabe fans who maybe haven't tried it yet or someone like myself that hasn't tried it yet that are lining up. So um, probably a mix of both. But my thought, again, is having lineups like that clearly shows a passion that someone has a brand affinity and probably has grown up with it. Okay. Well, you know, like when the lines dissipate, I'll go back. It's for my own nostalgia factor. I have not been in the Philippines for about 10 years now. It'll be fun to kind of give it a shot. I swear, I swear, I've got like a, a Jollibee doll buried in one of my boxes deep in my uh, in my storage somewhere. It's one of those dolls you kind of like push its stomach and it starts to sing a song. I bet if I took that out of the closet right now, I could probably sell it, um, you know, in one of those lineups for a pretty, pretty hefty price if I, if I really wanted to. Yeah. Do you know what the, the guy says, the, the character? Like what, he what sings a song in Tagalog, and I don't really know what the lyrics are. It's something about, like, I hope you have, like, a joyous dinner or something like that. Somebody translated it for me um, uh, way back in the day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, one of the big things, though, I think everybody's talking about, not just consumers, but retailers, is how we're doing with inflation right now. Uh, we saw a record high, uh, you know, back in uh, February, or I should say 31-year high. Um, are retailers getting more and more concerned? Do you think they can just pass it on to consumers? Is it a bit of a balancing act right now? Oh, this is a tough time because uh, we in very, you know, in, in recent memory or probably in our lifetimes, haven't seen inflation like this. I shouldn't say in our lifetimes we have, if some of us are older and <laughs> remember the eighties, but uh, th this is a really unique situation. Uh, everyone's worried, not just retailers. I mean, retailers are worried about even just getting product on the shelves at this point, whether or not they're a grocery retailer or a fashion retailer. Uh, supply chain has been an issue. Inflation on top of this, I mean, they're, they're all related. Uh, inflation is resulting in prices going up. We've seen oil prices or fuel prices going up, not just oil, but that's that's the primary one, uh, which is leading to uh, increases in prices in other areas as well. Uh, this is going to be a really, really challenging time. Uh, I know it's been reported in the media, but I think that it's, it's probably underreported. I think there's going to be a lot more coming here, and this is going to be not uh, good for some people, especially those who uh, are of a limited means financially. Well, it's going to be tough, I think, for, you know, just a lot of the stores to kind of like uh, what I think about, though, is like the uh, government subsidies, they're kind of drying up, uh, you know, those wage subsidies, the rental help, you know, is this just kind of a, an especially tough time for inflation to hit all of the uh, the retail sector, too? It's not a good time. I mean, it's just one thing after another pandemic. Uh, 
um, you know, a war in the Ukraine, uh, which followed a, a trucker protest, which which caused issues. Uh, now we've got the inflation. It's it's just it's it's one thing after another. It wasn't like the pandemic was bad enough. There's all these other things that are that are coming to head and, and also having an impact on the retail industry. It's just like it's like being kicked in the gut repeatedly. It's really unfortunate that this is happening right now because there's just so much disruption in the world generally, even beyond retail. The question is, when do we actually ever see some sort of normalcy or and what it, what is that even at this point? Well, the other thing, you know, we're seeing it kind of drip out in, in kind of strange ways, not necessarily strange, but like look at the uh, Loblaws, for example. They're they're in that like chip war with uh, Frito-Lay slash Pepsi. Uh, you know, are, is it possible, you know, we could see more of those things going on if some stores are also reluctant to uh, pass on prices to consumers that they're getting from suppliers? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, Frito-Lay being part of PepsiCo, there, there's more to the story. Um, and yeah, I, I think we could see other suppliers. We could see this happen and we could see empty shelves in some grocery stores, not entirely empty grocery stores, but uh, I, I think that things could get much worse, not not to scare people, but um, this could be just the beginning of something much bigger. If if control can't be had in terms of, uh, and perhaps that's not the best way of putting it, but if we can't get the supply chain issue in order here, there could be some really major problems in Canada in terms of uh, food shortages. Um, retailers not able to stock shelves, which would lead to shortages in all kinds of different areas. Uh, um, I, I hope to goodness we can get this under control because things could either get much better or they could get much worse. And uh, I really hope it's not the latter. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough. I, I wonder what the latest numbers are going to look like uh, for March. We're going to get those, I think, within a week, uh, maybe even less uh, here at uh, uh, from Stats Canada. So we'll be following that, of course. Um, another thing that, that I'm very curious about, I thought, you know, kind of the Huawei brand was pretty much dead here in Canada. But I I understand there's a story that you guys are tackling now that's uh, those folks, the uh, Chinese uh, telecom giants, uh, which, of course, we had the whole Man Wangzhou sort of uh, controversy trial and the the Michaels and everything. Well, Huawei is now launching new retail stores in Canada. Now, tell me a little bit about kind of the thinking behind this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a good thing that they're being done as shopping stores inside of Canada computers. <laughs> I think sure, that sure. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't write the article, but I believe that's uh, what's happening because we were also in talks to do advertising for this. So it wasn't uh, I had that insight. I didn't actually have the editorial insight. I was doing the advertising. But um, yeah, and that wasn't an advertisement, by the way, just uh, for people listening to this to know specifically that was an editorial and retail insider. Um, yes, uh, so we're seeing Huawei uh, opening shopping stores uh, in Canada. I was kind of surprised as well because I think that even though you know Huawei might make great products and, and might be a great company, I think that the name has been tarnished because of all the stuff like you just mentioned with Ming Wei and the whole issue around uh, you know her, her detainment, five uh, uh, G networks, the questions around that. Um, you know, the return of the two Michaels uh, that was said to be in retaliation because of this whole Huawei situation with Mingwei. It's really bad PR. And so now <laughs> we've got these stores opening. I wonder if they'll be embraced. Like, I'm wondering if Canadian consumers or consumers living in Canada will uh, be shopping there. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm personally not, but 
uh, I am really, you know, really just an Apple user, I guess, at this point. I'm just lazy. I just do everything through Apple. This is not an advertisement for them either. Well, do you think the brand can be rehabilitated? I, I mean, not my words, just some that I've heard from more than one friend, but uh, they're just joking around calling them spy phones at this point. And <laughs> once that gets into kind of the uh, the cultural consciousness, I, I think it's hard to kind of, uh, you know, kind of wipe that slate clean when it comes to branding. I don't know. Is it a tough road yeah. ahead? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, can I, I mean, not at the, I don't want to get sued. So I'm being careful with my words, but I don't think I would get one. Uh, sure. <laughs> Huawei phone? No, no, I wouldn't. Um, and maybe I should just leave it at that, but it's, it's what you just said. I mean, the, we, well, no, maybe I should be more honest here. I don't know if I would have trust in Huawei, given the entire situation that we saw over the last several years in Canada. I don't know what's happening. Um, I'm not educated in that area. Things might be totally on the up and up, but um, given how the world is with technology, the internet and everything else, social media, I'm not willing to take that risk. And I personally wouldn't uh, buy one. So, uh, and again, not to get sued, this is just my own personal opinion. Um, I have no insider information to that respect. It's just my opinion. And I don't know. I don't know. I, they may do really well here, but uh, I think a lot of people are going to share our concerns. Okay. Okay. Well, it's interesting because we are still seeing those efforts to get like physical retail going here in Canada, even amid the pandemic when we saw uh, a big surge in online sales. Does this just really speak to how much people, you know, while online shopping can be convenient, there, there's still a desire to go out and uh, be around items, products physically? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as humans, most of us want some sort of physical interaction. Um, and, and I think that we're going to see that. It's, it's, well, I mean, it's one of the reasons, despite the fact we've seen an incredible rise in, say, ghost kitchens and Uber yeah. Eats, so, you know, we can eat at home. We still see restaurants that have packed dining rooms in, you know, as we see things open and restrictions lifted. Uh, people like to go out and do things. And, and the reason I'm using restaurants as an example is because it's something highly experiential that you can get food really anywhere. You can eat at home. Uh, you don't have to go to a restaurant. Uh, same thing with retail stores. We can shop online and, and we still see some busy stores out there. Uh, we as humans do crave physical experiences. I don't care what people say about that. Uh, we're not going to sit at home all the time and not want to go out um, even my immune compromised mom is, likes to go out to stores sometimes because you don't want to be cooped up all the time at home. So I think that the physical experience is certainly going to be an important component to retail moving forward uh, um, all the time, whether or not that's a retail space that's in a showroom that's educational or, or a store like Dollarama, which is there to just to sell you a whole bunch of stuff. Well, talking about that inflation deal, I mean, Dollarama, you know, they're, they're saying that their prices could go up to $5 uh, for some items as well. So it really does speak to kind of the, the broader issues uh, at hand. Yeah, yeah. I remember when Dollarama was actually a dollar store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but inflation, like you said, and, and that's the thing. It's it's incredible to have seen. I mean, I think the, I remember and I was, I was in, this wasn't even that long ago. Dollarama was a dollar store. There was a dollar twenty five. seemed to be a fairly typical price point, but Prices continue to go up and not everything is going to be $5, obviously. But yes, they've confirmed that some, or it looks like some items are, are going to be in the $5 price point that may right now be in the $4 price point. Um, probably not a surprise given the cost of everything going up, you know, whether or not that's fuel, um, staffing, 
is certainly something we're seeing. We're seeing some minimum wages that are going up in Canada. Uh, all kinds of things. Uh, one other thing as well uh, with Dollarama I thought was interesting was I went and I was shopping at one a few weeks ago and I was actually forced to use a self-checkout. They were very, very nice about it. Uh, met a very nice woman there. She was showing me how to use it, but I did not actually have the option to go and pay at the till. They were basically training me and they didn't know who I was with Retail Insider, but training me as a consumer to go and use their self-checkout. Now, some stores definitely do have tilled people, another one, two blocks away. I live in a high density area, so I have several near me. Uh, has, has regular checkouts that has a person there that you can check you out. But in this case here, at this Hudson Bay Center uh, Dollarama, you got to go to the self-checkout. So it's, it's just interesting to see how staffing is going to be maybe a little bit less of a, uh, a thing in stores moving forward. Yeah, I, I always marvel at uh, kind of the, the self-checkout experience. I personally, I don't like uh, going to like kind of the the human cashier. I like just being able to left to my own devices and doing it by myself. But what I do notice though is that some of the self-checkouts, there's so many screens and buttons you have to push before you even get to like uh, start scanning things and others are just super, super efficient. You know, I, 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 it's definitely a different user experience depending on who the company is. I, I'm surprised there's just not more kind of efficiency baked into it when there's just so many like dumb questions that I'm being prompted to before I start scanning things. And it's interesting, not that I want to start interviewing you, Tyler, but you just said that you prefer the self-checkout. And that is actually, I find that really interesting because I don't, but maybe now I should be a little more open-minded and actually use them more because I avoid them. Uh, I'm not even sure why, but a lot of people use self-checkouts in grocery stores, I find, when you have the option. And uh, perhaps this is something we'll see. Well, I think we will be definitely seeing more of it, but... Now the question is, will consumers get behind it? Um, I'm talking about myself as a consumer. I haven't been a big fan, but, you know, I'm also older. Uh, or I mean, I'm, you know, not that old, but, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s and I grew up with going to tills with humans. And, and it's just interesting to hear people preferring not to. I'm going to try this more. So you've actually prompted me to uh, go start using self-checkouts in stores because uh, okay. <laughs> maybe I'll start enjoying this as well. Not that I don't enjoy act- interacting with humans, but sometimes you just want you just don't want to. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm an old millennial. Maybe it's uh, just uh, the, the way that uh, millennials, uh, and believe me, I'm, I'm an old millennial in this situation here, but uh, that's how we ride. Um, I'm a boomer. Question. I'm, I, I th- I'm 45. I'm turning 46 in September. I think I actually qualify as a boomer. Like just, no way. Just you're edge. you're I a Gen like X, it. aren't you? I don't know. I'm born in okay. September 25th, 1976. So whatever that is, some, if anyone's listening and can tell us, please do. But yeah. I uh, I saw a thing that it was, I think it was Zoomer magazine said something where 45 and older and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm, yeah. (laughs) I swear you're, you're a Gen Xer. I bet, I bet that's what it is. But um, (laughs) I've got, I've got one last question for you. I'm I'm curious about this. Uh, So I've bought like over the course of the pandemic, you know, bought a t-shirt, maybe a sweatshirt. uh, But I I finally went and bought a couple of uh, dress shirts. You know, the ones that you have to be, uh, have to fit you well, you know, for work and what have you. Finally did that um, just this past week. And, uh, you know, you find out that uh, uh, the uh, Top Shop Top Man brand is making a comeback. They're going to be, instead of at the Bay, they're going to be at Nordstrom. Uh, tell me a little bit about the appeal of that brand making a comeback here in Canada. Yeah, and I mean, I, we I, I reported on it. We discovered it just kind of by accident. I mean, anybody could have discovered it because they started putting Top Shop signs on the doors of Nordstrom. Um, I wrote a story about it just because uh, I've been tracking 
top shop in Canada for years. Uh, it's a UK-based fast fashion brand that uh, unfortunately went bankrupt uh, in 2020 and uh, was shut down and uh, acquired by ASOS, a, uh, a retailer in the UK, which has brought it back. So the Hudson Bay Company for years had, uh, for about a decade actually, had these uh, Top Shop, well, had had the brand available in its stores. Uh, there's Top Shop, which is like the ladies' fashions for the most part, I think, and Top Man, which is men's, uh, which is where I would shop. But uh, so you had various collections. Some stores just had a few racks of clothes, uh, in it had some Hudson Bay stores. And then in Vancouver, had a 33,000 square foot Top Shop store in the basement of that uh, Hudson Bay store downtown, which was just huge. And it was very, very nice. It was really cool. I, I went to the opening of that um, years ago. But uh, now with Nordstrom, we've got Topshop. It's come back uh, in a form, which is a bit smaller, certainly nothing even remotely close to that 33,000 square foot Vancouver Topshop, which was the largest international location in the world oh. for Topshop at the time when it opened uh, about a decade ago. And um, but now with Nordstrom, it's come back. And and what is the appeal? Well, it's 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 a fashion collection at a valuable or sorry, at a, at a reasonable price uh, um, that, uh, you know, hopefully will have styling that people will like. But it remains to be seen. I mean, I had a look at some of the stuff uh, that Topshop has at Nordstrom and I wouldn't buy it. It wouldn't be my style. So uh again being as people know my age as i've told it here but it's not this type of stuff i would wear maybe if i was 20 or 25 years younger but it just it didn't look like something that i would want to wear personally well so. it's just interesting how you know I, I think there is still that demand as we've been talking about for people to go into stores physically there's just some items that i think uh, work better if you're you're uh especially clothing I, I think you don't for me unless it's a sweatshirt or a t-shirt i i just I, i'm much rather be able to like touch something, go into the dressing room uh, right then and there rather than wait for it to come in the mail. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, some people want instant gratification. I love walking out of a store with something that I bought. I mean, if I like the thing that I bought, which hopefully is the case. Uh, I, I've done that, you know, recently uh, purchased just sweaters and whatnot. Usually they're on sale and very often at a place like Nordstrom Rack. But um, walking out with that purchase just feels so satisfying. You're excited. Like I got it. it was, it's almost like a hunt. And, and well, I mean, I've actually never hunted or even fished, but I'm imagining that's what it would be like. Sure. <laughs> I've got my catch. In this case, it was a couple of great sweaters and a jacket. And uh, um, there's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can order something. Now, there's actually gratification on both sides because if you get a package in the mail, it's almost like, you know, that Christmas time pack, you know, getting a present, right? It's like getting a gift. I find sometimes I get excited when I get packages, but I also love being able to buy something and bring it home and, uh, and just have it. So I guess both are gratifying in their own way, uh, whether or not you're getting a present, which you bought for yourself, which is being delivered, or if you bought something in the store and you're bringing it home immediately. Well, Craig, I could pick your brain even longer, but I just want to thank you for right now for joining us on the show today. But uh, yeah, thank you once again. You're always available here at BIV. Ah, Great. Thank you for having me again. That is Craig Patterson. He is the founder of RetailInsider.com. And that is it for the show today. In the meantime, you can go to BIV.com for more stories, interviews, videos, and more. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.